Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina conversation. Today's interview is with Kim Taylor Blakemore. We're talking about her book, The Deception, which comes out September 27th. Um, This is really interesting conversation with Kim as we talk about her experiences um, seeing ghosts and um, how all the cool things that she learned while researching uh, to put her story together. Very interesting conversation. Um, I learned quite a bit and is very, very cool, at least in my opinion. But um, without further ado, I'll let you decide for yourself. Here's Kim Taylor Blakemore. So today we've got Kim Taylor Blakemore. We're talking about the deception out September 27th. Kim, thanks so much for taking the time to meet with us today. This was a really interesting piece. I've, um, I like historical fiction and I haven't read it in a while. So I was like, really, mm-hmm. it was really cool. Um, I really liked some of the stuff, some of the choices that you made with this story. So I'm excited to chat a little bit more about it. Fantastic. Thanks for having me here, Megan. Yeah. So to get started, how about, can you go over like, can you give like a brief summary um, of the book so like listeners can follow along with the conversation? Absolutely. So it is a historical fiction, as you said, Uh, is set in 1877 in New Hampshire. And it is about a medium at the height of spiritualism who has been very famous as a child and now is not so famous and she's struggling to keep house and home together and on top of it she's lost her spirit guide so she uh, is given the name of another woman Clementine Watkins to come help her regain her reputation and the story begins there and it is about the two women's uh rise and fall together, I guess you would say. (laughs) And sort of, it's sort of that idea is like what the medium and the fraud, you know, I was, I was always been really interested in is the comfort any different, whether it's authentic or not, whether the the mediumship is authentic or not. So that was fun. Lots of fun research. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to get into that. Actually, that's a really good segue into um, one of my questions was like, what, what was the research process like and maybe kind of going into like maybe like the more fascinating things that you learned while you were, mm-hmm. um, you know, digging, digging a little deeper. Mm-hmm. So I always try to find in the beginning when I'm, you know, picked a topic, like I really want to do spiritualism and really look into that. So I look for primary sources for that. So I was literally finding things like an 1877 biography of a woman named Mrs. J.H. Conant, who was a rather mousy spiritualist who could heal people. Like a doctor ghost would come to her and say, you need to go to this person's house and would give her an address. And she'd be like, okay, I'm going with the doctor ghost. And they would go to the house (laughs) and she would literally like heal people and do like, like surgery things. I was like, this is, you've got to be kidding me. She's not, you know, she's not a physician. So she's, she's got these two spirit guides and they talk about that. And I finished her book and how, you know, the spirits would just wreck her. Just, she would be like a total physical wreck for weeks. And they'd be like following her like, Oh no, no, no. Don't go see Mrs. J.H. Conant because she's a wreck from all the miasmas that have come through her. (laughs) And when I finished that, I was like, she is either, the greatest fraud that ever lived, the most authentic medium who ever lived or needs to be in a crazy nut house because <laughs> it was just, 
insane like what she could do she could like make things levitate and this is based on people's eyewitness things of her seances so that was interesting and i kept looking for different ones and, and actually right near where i live is the place that contains all of the spiritualist newspapers and periodicals from all around the world from the beginning of spirituality sp excuse me spiritualism on so I was able to get into their archives and I found one called the confessions of a medium. Oh, and okay. it was, a, <laughs> yeah. And so same year, 1877. And this guy was just, he was going to be a priest and he ended up falling into this sort of enamored state with this very famous medium and followed him and said, may I apprentice with you? Because I saw this amazing thing you do for people. And so the man says, of course, apprentice with me. And then it turned out to be the biggest shill you've ever seen. Just, he was like, wait a minute. Every single thing we're doing is a trick. Yeah. You know, you're having <laughs> me be your apprentice. Like truly, I'm not learning how to be with the ghost. You're teaching me how to untie and unlock things and make people, you know, turn the other way while you're doing tricks. So that was really fun. So I mean, it was just like a bunch of books like that. And I'm like, well, how do they do some of these frauds? So they, the, the, especially Confessions of a Medium, they showed how they did it. And they had like the false walls and their friend who was a cousin, they'd be like, hey, you know, Mary, get behind the wall. Mm. Get behind the wall when we call you, crawl through. And, <laughs> and you know, put phosphorus all over yourself because you'll glow. So then you go in and go out, right? Or they make masks of people and make them phosphorus and they come in and out of black velvet. So the rooms are completely black, except for like maybe one tiny light. And you get the, in a, in a seance, you get everyone really going, you know, you would have music playing and singing songs to the spirits. And then one of the spirits will come out. I hear you. I need to see somebody. Hello, but I'm so far away. No, <laughs> you know, and they know right. something about the crowd. So they're just playing the whole thing. So he was very disappointed in being, because he really wanted to be a real medium and he just found that. So I then researched some of the, the different types of, of spirit cabinets that were used and spirit drums and how you use like, you know, different sorts of cat gut that didn't show up in the light or horse hair doesn't show up in light. And then I said, okay, now I got to get to this real stuff. I've got a real medium. She's a real medium in this book. So I've seen ghosts many times and I've talked to one, but I'm not a medium, you know? So it's like, how do I capture something like that? So a friend of mine who's really into this and speaks to her dead husband a lot said, you need to talk to medium Renee Richards. Mm. She's amazing. So I said, okay, I've got, so I got in touch with Renee, medium Renee is in Texas. So it's a phone call. And mm -hmm. uh, I said, I'd like to interview you. I told her, you know, I'm writing a book. I, I really want to be authentic to the medium. So it doesn't come across false, right? But I'm just making up like a movie would make it up. So um, that conversation with her was really fascinating. Um, a couple things that, that she said, we did an interview and then I did a reading. So in the interview part, what I found really fascinating was she saw things from a child and she thought she was schizophrenic. Because mm. things would like step out of televisions, walk through cars, open her closet door, be sitting by her and she just couldn't believe it and and she finally at 21 went to a doctor and said i think there's something wrong with me mentally and he listened to her whole thing and he goes oh no you're psychic 
<laughs> no, seriously, like what doctor, right? Right. And so she <laughs> happened to go to the right one, and it, she was fascinating to uh, her her journey. And I said, my my character hears things more than sees them. Um, and Maud, who's the medium in this story, you know, she's asked what it's like when the when the voices come, and she said it's like putting a French horn up to your ear and every single note being played at the same time. Mm. So it's sort of this controlling. She And she said, that's right. It's controlling who and what you're hearing. And that takes a lot of practice. And she's very, very big on, she knows there's a whole bunch of mediums that are not on the up and up, you would say, you know, that travel the circuit and they're more mm. entertainment and that's, that's fine. But she said she's really big on certifying them. So she wants them to be able to prove physically some sort of physical manifestation or be able to say something. So that was fascinating. So then I had a reading with her. I've got my little paper out. You know, you have to sit down in your chair and you have your paper. You're going to write notes. And she starts it. She goes, okay. Now, she doesn't know me, right? She knows me. I write a book and I'm writing this book about the medium. She goes, I am seeing so incredibly clearly a young girl, she's covered in mud. Her hair is like soaking with water and her face is just mud and grit on it. What is that? And I said, that's the victim in my book. And that was <laughs> freaky, right? Yeah. I was like, and she said that with authors and creative people, she can, that's what she sees first. She sees the characters, oh, that they're really, really strong. And she wouldn't have known that. Nobody would have known that at the time um, when I was writing it. I'd showed yeah. nobody that character so then she said a lot of other stuff so we'll yeah. see. in two years i'll tell you about the other stuff the psychic oh, part okay. there's the medium and the psychic and you don't have to be either you, you can be one or both right so that yeah. was interesting too so i said okay so i've got i've got my mediums and i also have a friend who i went through she's also a, a medium and i asked her you know her opinion her experience so i want to look at people's experiences because they're all very different from each other there's no like one set experience mm -hmm. so i said okay now let's look at the fraud what are we going to do about that because i've got a theater and i've got tricks and i've got to make the fraud work so i found this guy and i was looking on youtube it's like find me 19th century theater find me because you'll have that victorian theater will have a lot of the sort of tricks they use old early magic, pre-Houdini magic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they do Pepper's Ghost, where you, it's, it's a Disneyland is made with Pepper's Ghost, where the glass is at an angle, so it reflects an image as if it's a ghost. Oh, okay. um, so, but you'll see it everywhere. Haunted House, there's many places they use it. Look on YouTube for Pepper's Ghost Disneyland, and you'll see how it works. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to do on a real stage, because you need a 45-foot piece of absolutely clear glass. It's a little impossible in 1877. <laughs> so I'm like, who am I going to find? And I found this guy who's called the Historical Conjurer. And he does 19th century magic and knows about spiritualism and the frauds of the time. And he turned out to live where I live in Portland, Oregon. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we met and I said, okay, here are the tricks I'm using. Can I do them? What makes them work? And every single one, he's like, okay, you need to add this to yeah. it. Or you, need, <laughs> you know, it's like Clementine does a thing where she lights a, her finger. The tip of her finger has a fire on it. And I said, can I do that? He's like, Pfft oldest trick in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he was talking about phosphorus, you know, because they did paint themselves to have it glow. Yeah. He said, it's also incredibly flammable. And it's like, when you ever see those flash things in magic, 
you know, they have those big flashes and then the dove comes out or whatever. That's a piece of very thin paper dipped in phosphorus and it's flammable when it hits the air. You don't need to light oh. it. So it's very, you know, he's showed me all those tricks. So yeah. there's my research. It was like totally fun. <laughs> it's, it was ridiculously fun to do. Yeah, that sounds super fun. That's so fascinating, I think, because choosing, you know, we'll get into like the fact, you know, because you gravitate towards specific time periods for your works. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting how in a in a time before so much the technology that we take for granted today, it's like, yeah, how would somebody orchestrate those optics, the ruse and make it believable? The fact like that when you're doing your research and you're like, oh, no, there's a thing called ghost cabinets or whatever there's a thing called you know people were using like phosphorus for example for a lot of different purposes and yeah i guess it's just like that like that little you know section of the big picture is like Mm -hmm. wait how do they do that and then you find like oh like there's a whole industry there's a whole community that knew the ins and the outs um Mm -hmm. so that that's so cool so i want to touch about so i'm like not you know i don't I don't not believe in ghosts. I'm open mm-hmm. to the idea. I don't have proof that they do not exist. So I'm mm-hmm. like, whatever, you know, I've never, I've never, I don't think, you know, at least that I've ever encountered one, Um, you know, but what would you say, like, kind of like make someone more in tune to, to receiving those types of signals or that communication or, and then kind of also going into that when you talk about seeing versus hearing, like why did you know? I thought it was interesting that kind of going off of that, like you made, you rendered mod hearing things rather mm-hmm. than seeing mm-hmm. things, and I thought mm-hmm. that would be kind of like interesting, like why you made that choice. So I know it's like a little, a few questions lumped into one, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just kind of like wanted to explore that side of it because on your biography sure. you said like, oh, you've you've encountered like ghosts, and so I'm like, well, okay, let's let's start there. <laughs> I, let let me go to Maud for a minute, because sure. a lot of the stuff when I'm writing a character, it comes organically out. So she says in one piece, I really like the characters to talk and be on stage themselves. So that's what she came up with. And I okay. was like, oh, boy, I hope you can just hear. <laughs> so, you know, then I went on. I said, that's actually a really interesting thing for that character, because it ma- mimics the silence in the house and her isolation and silence. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, so that's authorly thing. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it was, I did check with the re- research wise um, ghosts. Yeah. So the first time I s- saw a ghost, I don't know if people are open or not open or you can make yourself open or whatever to ghosts. I was in kindergarten and we lived in Maryland and our whole family went to Gettysburg and I was sitting on some rocks on the battlefield and a group of about 10 soldiers came running down the hill around me and through me. And I thought that was a little odd. Mm. So I went and I went to my mom and I said, I saw some soldiers <laughs> running down the hill. She goes, those are ghosts. This is the most haunted battlefield in the U S you saw ghosts. <laughs> and she, cause she's seen them. So I'm like, Oh, well, thank you, mother. That's great. right. Like just matter of fact, like, matter you of know, fact. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so so I was like, whatever. That was really weird. So and now the really... ghosts are. Did the ghosts? Did they appear like well, fully clothed? Because I, you know, the only mm-hmm. experience I have is like where you see in, um, you know, movies or entertainment where they're like they look like how they died, like tattered clothing and blood and whatever. They're uh-huh. missing limbs or they're like at that 
you know, glow or, or they're just a fog or they're smoky. So like how I'm just interested to see like how they came, like, how did you see them? They were union soldiers. So they were in, in those clothes, tattered, pretty tattered from the war, but I could see through them. Okay. So, but they were full, full figured, just like people coming down. And that's how I've seen other ghosts, except the last one that was in the house. I just bought, (laughs) but yeah. So in college, I saw one and she came out. She was wearing a little, little sleeping cap and sleeping clothes. And she walked through a door when I, I was fully awake. I was at my friend's house waiting for her to come back for lunch. I'm sitting on the bed and she, this woman literally walks through a wall and sidles along the wall, staring at me, sidles down the wall, like slithers down the wall and sits on the bed and stares at me. And I'm like, um, young woman. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm freaked out so completely right now i couldn't move and then she moved away back the way she came and so i got threw off everything ran to my friend who was at the theater i was like what do you have a roommate (laughs) (laughs) she said no that's a ghost in the house i don't like to see them i don't like to see them (laughs) but i see when i'm driving i'll see them like by a bus stop and I, it's like, oh, that guy in the plaid, that's a ghost. And I'll drive and look back and he's not there. So I can see things like that. But that's I don't wild. want to. That would, that would freak me out too. And I also mm-hmm. wonder, you know, if they, if, if they would feed off of that, like, do they leave you alone? Like if they're like, okay, this person isn't ready for this or they don't like this. So I'm just going <laughs> to, that's maybe that's why years like in college, she kind of like backed off. She was like, <laughs> like, she was no, like so okay. curious. I was like, okay, this is weird. And then it, when I was in New Hampshire doing research, I was at this farmhouse finishing up research. It was in Jaffrey, New Hampshire, old farmhouse. And half of it, the woman who owned it had been in her family since like 1725 or something. So she made the rest an Airbnb. But for some reason, like you walked in the door and there's stairs straight up. And then if you go to the left, there was the kitchen. You go to the right, there was the dining room and stuff. And I was like, okay, that part of the house freaks me out. I'm not going over there. The kitchen's okay. <laughs> and every time I do dread going upstairs to go to sleep. And so I'm up there. I'm like, I couldn't sleep for three nights. It was like this horribly weird something didn't want me there. I'm like, okay, ghost, if you're a ghost, show me you're a ghost. And it's not my crazy imagination. Oh, God. Because <laughs> my, father, my father says, Kim, if I was there. It would be fine because you just have a crazy imagination. <laughs> okay, dad. Um, yeah. So I like laid out my jewels, you know, not jewels. I don't have jewels. I laid out my cheap, <laughs> cheap necklaces. And I said, move them around. Show, prove to me that you're upstairs, not wanting me in the attic. Nothing happens, of course. And then the last night I was there, it was like three in the morning and the church bell rings outside and it's a full moon. And so it's like, great. Mm. I can't sleep. I haven't slept. And then the clock, there's this little mini grandfather clock sitting on the table and it starts ticking. It doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, I picked up my phone. I made a hotel reservation for a place in Massachusetts and I left. And I'm like, I'm going to a new new hotel in Massachusetts. That's good. And I left and I fell asleep. So. Right. You're like, okay, anyway, message received. I, <laughs> message received. But what I think is, is um, I want to go back a little bit. You had talked about tech, you know, how now we can do all these things with technology. Yeah. And we could, everything is tech. And it wasn't at the time. It was hard to set all that stuff up. 
but the people going were predisposed to believing. Mm. So when you have somebody predisposed to believing anything, you can get away with any kind of illusion possible. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, and it's really a matter of telling people what you want them to see. I remember going to a magic show in Vegas and the guy said, I'm going to tell you every single thing I do. There is no nothing that is not magic in what I'm showing you. So he said, as I set up, I'm going to be doing this. Watch this show. Watch this video. And he had a video of um, people playing basketball, mm-hmm. just people playing basketball. So we're watching. He's like, watch the thing. See who wins. Who's going to win in this little game? And then he stopped it. And he goes, did you see the gorilla? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know this. Yeah. You know this one, right? I recognize yeah. that test. And so yeah, he it got slows me. it down and there's the gorilla walking across the court. And he's like, that is how magic works. And he still <laughs> freaked he still freaked me out and got the trick done, even though he told us every step of the way what he did. Yeah, that's um well what is it? Like the you know, kind of going off of the title, like the art of deception, right? It's a distraction. Mm-hmm. It's figuring out a way. And like I think that's so interesting where you said it was a period of um everybody was like predisposition to believe you, which I feel like now is like just the exact opposite. And mm-hmm. like everybody yeah. is so skeptical, which is not necessarily a bad thing all the time, but you know, when everybody, you know, has an opinion and, and can publish it right. for thousands and thousands, and thousands of people to see um, or respond to, you know, like social media, obviously, but it's just, yeah, that's, that's when things get tricky for sure. Um, cause I'm thinking like, yeah, like how was like, you know, society back in the day where they were just so like, and, and how does word get around? Cause obviously mm-hmm. she's got to her reputation. Like she's got to still not just redeem herself, but prove herself, but also get like, you know, the seats full. She's got to right. have witnesses, the people to see them. And exactly that whole, yeah, that whole process. It was just like, it's very so the complicated. Newspapers at the time and the, the people who reported for newspapers uh, were, were really prolific. And so you could get a word out more quicker than I would have thought you could, because every paper will descend on something and then they go away and they just make up their own stories. And you see that if you read any like, trial of the century uh, at the time and every right. single newspaper local to new york to wherever would come and then they'd be like ah that story's boring that's not what i think the jury said and they'll just make it up oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh wow uh, that's so that's crazy yeah because now it's you know i guess yeah, they still yeah there, there, there are there are changes now that are that are good and not so good because yeah, yeah. now that would not fly as easily these days. <laughs> it's like you know what? Yeah. That's boring. Let's do let's do this instead. Um, yeah, that's boring. And then let's just imagine it. like how many stories or what you know the almost a telephone game. You know, like how many things have been skewed, exactly, exactly. passed down generation generation of people just you know that the word just that's the message that that gets passed along. Um, so like I said before, you, you tend to write like period pieces and mm-hmm. you tend to gravitate towards a certain, like the Victorian age, right? Would you mm-hmm. say that's like accurate? A lot of your works are. So, um, mm-hmm. what, what, what draws you to, to that time period or the genre? Like why, you know, why do you tend to gravitate towards those, uh, at least the setting? Cause I wouldn't say yeah, yeah. stories per se. Cause I think a lot of stories, could be applied to almost like any time period, any region with an exception 
obviously, but yeah, why would you why did you choose uh gravit why do you gravitate towards that that piece that um that time period? I really like from about 1855 to about 1910, 1915, right in there. It's a really interesting age. In It's got a lot of um, changes in terms of the cultural changes were very big. The technological changes were very big. And those are, those are fascinating to sort of watch happen. And so what are these big things, whether it's spiritualism or whether it's uh, asylums and how how those worked and whatever. Uh, it's also easier to get him away with murder then, so <laughs> than, than now. So, so yeah, that, you know, it started when I was doing the companion. All three of the books that the companion after Alice fell and the deception all take place in the same town. Okay, uh, at different eras, and that town is based on two or three places in New Hampshire. So, but okay. when I was writing. The Companion, which is really gothic. I needed to have sort of that, what is like the moors of England and dark and sort of got, you know, could be rural, but have mills or, you know, industry next to it, like England would have. And I was like, well, New Hampshire had that. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing research in it. I didn't know New Hampshire very much. I'm like, and I need a river. So I got out the map and I just pointed at a river. I said, that's a river. That's the mill's going to be on that river. And I just concentrated my research okay. there. So, okay. and it turned out to work perfectly because I could use a town and watch it grow through those three books. That's Harbor. yeah, that's cool. So you just kind of like, you just kind of went with it. Like <laughs> you found yeah, because, where well, your research, because, I guess, I'm guessing you found like, um, you know, enough fascinating material that yeah. you had to keep going with it. it yeah. I'm putting it in, that town let me just look instead at what was going on in the period without being like i'm writing historical fiction right <laughs> but new england new england is was really a hotbed during that time for all the different things whether it's spiritualism abolition women's suffrage what, what they called one area there was this great religious fervor that went through the great awakening and then the second great awakening and this was all these sort of tents and revivalist things in New York that there was so many of them. They call it the burned out district. Mm. <laughs> it's just like so many went through. So so you can like sort of capture those sorts of interesting things. That is cool. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because I when I talk to authors about, you know, what you could tell that they favor like one particular theme or, um, you know, for example, Lydia Kang she mm-hmm. about the... i love lydia by the way <laughs> yeah no i know because when you reached out to me you're like oh lydia king and i was like oh positive experience with her i liked yes. her too but yeah, yeah for example like she because she she tends to gravitate towards um toxins <laughs> and mm-hmm. so like in her works and i was like because she's also a, a practicing physician which is yeah. also fascinating to me but yeah, yeah just you know that's an example where i was like well why you know what like, why do you like so many of your stories revolve or, or include like toxins and stuff? Cause I, yeah, I imagine like if, if you're, if you've got so many ideas and if you're so like creative, just kind of having one, uh, base idea that there's like so much research on it and so, so mm-hmm. many possibilities, like you're just, you know, your, your pos, your own possibilities and storytelling just keep growing. Mm-hmm. And so it's, mm-hmm. you know, if there's something that you can't let go, <laughs> you gotta explore that a little more. Yeah. Oh, that's, right. that's great. No, that's cool. Cause yeah, I haven't, um, I can't remember. Well, the last time I think I read something that was similar was, uh, 
Spellbreaker, Spell Spellmaker by um Charlie and Holmberg, which was it was cute, but yeah, it was like, you know, it was as if uh it was where magic is um it's not like a Harry Potter esque world where there's like secret magic. It's magic mm-hmm. is very much like in you know integrated into society like everybody knows and and so that was like that was kind of cool just a way to like but look at that time period you know like Mm -hmm. the victorian era what would that have looked like Mm -hmm. if people knew like people were just openly practicing and licensing (laughs) magic and all that stuff so um i think yeah and then plus the time period and the region can act as its own like character in the story too yeah. And I think that was definitely those choices that definitely made the whole ruse that much more interesting because of mm-hmm. the work and effort that was made that was put into like with Clem, the, you know, being the mastermind and her getting the help from her partner slash lover slash Russell. <laughs> and then Russell, I will figure out how to get out of anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then poor yeah. Maud. I want to explore like yeah. the parallels between them because I feel like there's like they they had different upbringings, obviously, but they're both like their child their childhoods were not necessarily positive, mm-hmm. and so Maud could have easily, I feel like, grown up to be so cynical or to reject you know her gifts because of her mm-hmm. experiences with her father. Mm-hmm. Um, while Clem, you know, she she grew up in a children's home and she has a dark past that later kind of give insight as to why she is the way she is but i just thought it was so interesting because they're both like you know mod went one way while clem kind of turned out much darker but then it's like there's just much more conniving you know and Mm -hmm. but or just try to like she seizes the opportunity she sees the dollar signs and Mm -hmm. she's banking on something horrible like a grief of a loved one you know these people are coming to mod like hope for that little bit of hope and Maud is like a legit she's the real deal she's just having some silence you know <laughs> she yeah. can't and there's, it's, right now. yeah and it's heartbreaking because <laughs> there's nothing she doesn't know how to fix it there's nothing she could do about it and so yeah it's like she has to turn to um you know saving her her name while hopefully her spiritual guide comes back and unfortunately i feel like unfortunately for her that uh clem was clementine was the name that she was given even though it was i don't know even a lot of stuff that she was doing was like really smart and she was like the business you know it was just interesting how you know there's a lot of similarities but maude is the mouse and Mm -hmm. you know clem is is the lion i guess in that old old fable if i remember that correctly or well you know what i'm saying but Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and then it was interesting how a lot of clementine's like actions or even her role in her partnership with maude like reflected probably her father's treatment maude's father's treatment of her where it was like you know someone else being in control or someone else using her and she's just she feels like she has she has to go along with it right it's like she made the deal with the devil early on out of like uh, i guess i'll do this because she says it'll work and then it's like it's the deal right and it's like okay so then that's the thing that clementine can hold over her the whole rest of the way you've already committed fraud now i can ruin you yeah and it's (laughs) just like great thank you 
Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I have to say, I love Clementine. I, I don't know if I'd want to meet her in real life, but. Right, right. She, yeah, she's, she's definitely an interesting character. Clever. But I'm also like, yeah, I don't. I don't think I ever want to go into business with her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's like, yeah, you know, the reader can kind of sympathize with her once we get to know her. And once we mm-hmm. learn more about her backstory, but at the same time, it's like some of the, her, some of the, some of the comments that she makes, I'm like, ugh, girl, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I don't know. I, I think, yeah, she's an interesting and 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 multi-dimensional character but at the same time i'm like ooh, i don't i don't think i'll ever she's need tough it. and she's a survivor and she will she'll do anything to stay on her feet yeah um, yeah and yeah her, so, her moral compass is is uh she it wavers yeah she I don't, wavers. it's unstable she i don't know like she <laughs> trying to think of the right word but it's like she's not yeah it's not she's not predictable in that sense you don't know what or she just doesn't have, you know, is what what low is too low for her. Right. And, and, and I think she doesn't always know what's good and what's bad. It's like yeah. she goes by what works and what doesn't. Yeah. You know, and you yeah, and she's got a very disconnect with people. So she's much more attuned with her mechanical birds and her weird doll that she creates. Um. So she's yeah. very isolated in a way that way, in a way that Maud is also isolated. So they mirror each other in sort of their isolations from things. That sounded really smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sound bite we're going for, you know. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Kim Tim yeah, Blackmore no. sounds smart for one day this year. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just really... I. I just wasn't sure, like, how much do I like Maud? How much do I like Clem? Right. Do I even like either of them? Which, right. you know, because, yeah, Maud, it's like you can't necessarily fault her, but she's also like, it's like, you know, she, it's like, girl, like, grow a backbone, like, get your confidence, get, you know, I understand, like, she has to enlist the help, but it's like, I, you know, I feel like she knew she, she had an unsettling feeling of hesitation, like, her gut was trying to tell her. Yeah, but it just seemed like she didn't have a choice. Like she, she was desperate, and she paid. And then for it, it played right into what she did with her father. So you, you know, you look at that sort of family thing. You unconsciously can end up in those same roles and relationships, even though you're like, I don't really want to go down this road again, but here I am <laughs> in the yeah. same deal. Yeah, and then her spirit guide is his Matthias. I can't. I don't yeah. know if I caught or if I don't remember what. Um, what is he to her? So I used a spirit guide based on research from J.H. Conan, where the per- the guide just showed up and would tell them what to do. So this guide, Matthias, showed up when she was a child, and he was the one that was the gatekeeper of the people coming yeah. through the veil for her. So I don't think she even really learned how to close and open that gate herself. She allowed allowed that person or that spirit to do it yeah yeah i guess i wasn't sure if like i if i if i missed like some like connection between them other than like she doesn't know why he comes to her kind of thing um i think from my research people don't know it's just someone will show up that's not necessarily related to them i mean literally one psychic was like or one medium at the time was like my guide is a 
I don't know, it was like some tribe in Canada and they were in Iowa. Okay. <laughs> like people were like, why is that your guy? Do you speak that language? No, no. Right? We understand each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that, that crossed my mind too. Like, oh, I wonder like, what if you, you had a spirit, you know, your spirit guide or those voices that were yeah. speaking to you didn't speak your language or you didn't right. understand like, them. Well, we both understand each other at that yeah. level. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a whole thing at the period um, about that was when the big telegraph lines were going down in the ocean all the way across to England. So okay. the the man who was doing that really was into spiritualism because he said, if we can send that through there, we can send things through the ether. That's what we're doing. So we can we can communicate with spirits from the ether. Yeah. Which is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, this kind of going back to the research thing, like there's so many fascinating. I don't know. I guess it's like it's just something that I was never like drawn to. But I I still I don't want to like I'm still open minded to it because like how I said, like, I don't I don't I don't know proof that there absolutely do not exist. Right. So it's and like I, I don't have proof that I'm not just overactive imagination. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you first approached your mother about it, she's like, oh, yeah, those are just ghosts. Like, my, 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 well, my mother sees ghosts. She's like, oh, yeah, I went to the Anasazi. And I saw them. They were walking all around. Like, what? But then and when you talk to your uh, your friend in college, and even then she was like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're, that's the, just the that's ghost who lives with me. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Why me? Why me? Yeah. It terrifies me completely. Yeah, I, I would always joke around, like, if there's a ghost in my house, it's like, well, you know, as long as they're cool with us being here, they don't, they don't scare my kids. I'm I'm okay with it. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm always very wary of, like, if you see the people who stay in the houses that are haunted so they can film them for YouTube yeah. or TikTok. And, like, the doors, everything's going off and it's scaring everyone. I'm like, that is so much. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fake. And that's interesting because it's, yeah, because it's like, yeah, it's like you can't stage it or you're going right. back to that whole yeah. community that they knew how to stage it. But I'd want to see how they stage it for that. I'm like, oh, that's right. fascinating. Where are the cords? I want to see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like the, yeah, the secret walls or the cabinets or yeah. Um, yeah. Russell sneaking off here and there. Because there were some t- points where it was like, it was like, oh, shit. Like, I was like, I was getting surprised. But then later we find out like, oh. Russell like what <laughs> or you're just like oh okay never mind it was really because I was like rooting for Maud. I was like oh is she getting her gifts back and then it's just like oh nope and then as she's struggling <laughs> then she struggles when she does get them back and she's just like ah like I thought that was super cool too how she going back to the hearing thing where yeah I guess it would like it's almost just as frightening like hearing things and having to filter them out versus mm-hmm. seeing things you know nobody else is seeing them where it's just very right. like i feel like that's a little maybe hearing things a little harder to navigate because then you know you hear the voices but then you know you're there's all all this other audio input that you're receiving so it's like mm-hmm. what i feel like yeah i just feel like that would that would frighten me even more i think hearing versus seeing but i don't but then i guess like what would the vision frighten look more frightening or would the voice sound I more know. frightening you know, is it like an angelic yeah. voice or is it like a guttural, like struggling yeah, is voice? Yeah, it's a scary <laughs> one that they they also put online. So you're like, thank you for scaring me with that sound. It's like the worst sound in the world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They're always like that, right? Scary yeah. little ghosts. 
Yeah. yeah, it's like the sensational, sensational part of it when sometimes it's it could just be as simple as like how you said your first experiences was like, oh, no, it was just kind of like you saw the replay. It's like being in these weird realities that, that touch, you know, physicists talk about that, though, the varied layers of reality that are all right on top of each other. And then yeah. you walk through one, which I'm, I which blows my mind. Physics blows my mind. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> like that is i yeah i I read that too i feel like yeah i just go down we could go down a million rabbit holes if if we uh we try to compare or go go off on that physics to 19th century spiritualism (laughs) (laughs) um so quite radical the spiritualists they didn't believe in churches they were very christian that's Um, crazy yeah yeah but didn't believe in churches and they were very big in the women's suffrage movement was it like because it was or it seemed like too institutionalized or like yeah so it was institutionalized so it wasn't letting in sort of broadening the 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 infinite universe that we could understand the infinite universe of god is what they would they would talk about and and that was an amazing place for women to have make a living as a as a medium because men said you are more receptive to the spirits than men yeah (laughs) yeah maybe that makes sense i guess it's a good point anytime i hear about like mediums i don't don't really hear any men don't notice any men doing it but there's that's interesting one guy interesting yeah (laughs) um so what were the most challenging parts to write and which were the like most enjoyable parts to write uh i think mod was hard to write because of having to know sort of that experience and try and get her experiences with the other world, Summerland, whatever she calls it both, right? The other world, <laughs> Summerland, et cetera. Um, yeah, she's like, it's so beautiful there. It's like, but when you hear it, it's horrible. So yeah. <laughs> she has doesn't quite. <laughs> um, yeah, so really, really trying to nail down very specifically her experience as a psychic. And getting that right. That was really hard to write. Um, Clementine was great fun to write. Just like, what can I do that's clever that she yeah. does? So, yeah, yeah I loved, loved writing her. I can tell you had a little her. more fun with Clem than you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's the, you know, that's what happens in those. It's like, oh, the bad guy's always so much fun. yeah no that's that's a really uh, consistent um response with uh authors where they there's like oh what what more can i do here how what what other you know horrible situations can i put my characters in like you know right or how dark can i get here what kind of you know what can i get away with type of thing right you know the a safe and healthy way to explore that (laughs) explore those like (laughs) and that imagination you know just like right throw it throw it in a book (laughs) exactly um so just a couple more questions here before Mm -hmm. we wrap up so what advice would you give to maude um to clementine and then to russell (laughs) i think i'd go with what you said about maude which is get a back (laughs) You you have the skills. Listen to yourself. Yeah. Uh, before you do anything, I tell Clementine to like everybody is not out to get you. <laughs> really, you are not the victim here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she does like to play that in in her way, right? 
it's your fault. Everything's your fault. I must kill you now because it's right. your fault. <laughs> <laughs> like burn, burn everyone before they burn her. It's like <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I would tell Russell. He's so charming mm. uh, and fun. Probably to steer clear of mediums and frauds altogether and get back on the stage. <laughs> and tell him that. That's he comes out okay. That's not breaking any. We're not doing any. Yeah. Yeah. No spoiler free. We're trying to be, but no spoiler. Yeah. Free. He's, yeah. Yeah. He, you know, I liked him too, but at the same time I was like, well, what's your angle then? Like, are you really just a little innocent business partner, you know, but like, uh-huh. you, you know, like <laughs> he follows yeah. the money. It seems to me he's going to follow the easiest money and it's with her. And he's clever. He does know yeah. how to do a lot of that stuff from stage work. Yeah. And he knows how to like, he knows how to work with Clem. Like he knows how to make her think that she's, she's the mastermind or she's in charge or like, mm. which I think is ultimately the way to, to keep her at bay for the most part from doing something mm. completely. But then we, you know, readers know that, um, you know, Clem will Clem will be Clem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Clementine will be Clementine. <laughs> she will do what she does, and um, then you got a whole nother mess on your hands. <laughs> yeah, I think he could control it for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's probably how he knew how to like. I don't want to say manipulate because I don't think he really like manipulates mm-hmm. her. I think he just knows no. how to work with no. her. Yeah, I think he thinks it's good fun. Yeah, <laughs> like, look what we can do. It's good fun. It's just theater. Yeah, yeah. He right? does have fun with it too. Like I don't know, hiding in a suitcase or <laughs> <laughs> he does have fun with it. I could tell. There are certain things where I was like, oh, I'm not going to condone this behavior, but I, I like your style type of thing. Where it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. um so what is next do you have any like future projects that you can talk about that you're working on i can i'm just finishing up uh a book that is set in 1905 kansas about two ex-dance hall girls they were on a road trip of vengeance they're trying to kill a guy before he gets to them and so it's about their foibles on the road as they try and get even with him so it's like like uh I would call it Sisters Brothers meets Thelma and Louise. Okay. It's a very dark, humorous romp sort of yeah. book. Those are always good fun to girls. play with too, and like I, the dark. I comedies. hope to have that out next year. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I love that. I I really love the Sisters Brothers, and a, I don't. <laughs> I've heard movie, of that. I, I feel like book. I should check it out. It's pretty then. amazing. Anyway, <laughs> it's really fun to write. So hopefully, it's going to be out next year. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'll have to look out for it. Yeah. So um Kim Taylor Blakemore, The Deception comes out September twenty seventh. Yeah. Thank you once again for uh chatting about it. I learned I learned a lot of interesting things during that conversation. So it was very, very interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um where are you on the website on social that you want to plug out real quick? Great. Uh, my website is very easy, Kim dot com. And I'm on Instagram at Kim Taylor Blakemore Books. So perfect. Come on over, visit, say hi. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me your ghost story. I always love that. Oh, Send me your yes. ghost stories. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Got to get into it a little <laughs> bit. I don't know. I, 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 I like hearing about them. I'll say that. And 
it's the ghost stories are always creeping fun. So <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you once again. Um, you know, and yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have to check out your other books and I'll, and I'll keep an eye out um, on other stuff that you've got coming up. Thank you so much, Megan. This has been so fun. And there you have it. That was Kim Taylor Blakemore talking about her book, The Deception. It comes out September 27th. As always, you can look at the show notes to uh, find links for her website, social media, and a link to purchase the book. Um, Please, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow the Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date with uh, book reviews and author interviews. Um, You know, and as always, thank you for listening.